The Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, Episode 37. In the last episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we reviewed an article that appeared in the March 1995 issue of Travel Holiday Magazine. The article was titled Secret Florida and was written by Frederick Turner. Traveling across the panhandle of Florida from Tallahassee to Pensacola, the author explores this unique region of Florida, once known as West Florida. He finds people who experience the transition which occurs when you visit the panhandle and then you get sand in your shoes. Sand in your shoes can cause you to sell everything and move to the panhandle to experience the relaxed lifestyle and natural beauty of the area. This can lead to Polynesian paralysis, or finding yourself being still, relaxing, appreciating nature, and enjoying life. Today we head back to Hawaii and review a book that was published in 1998 by author David A. Ross. The book is titled, The Trouble with Paradise. David A. Ross was born in Chicago on January 6, 1953. He's a writer, editor, and publisher. From 1984 to 1985, he was the columnist and contributing editor for Southwest Art Magazine. Ross was the publisher of Escape Media from 1992 to 2004. Escape Media is the parent company of Open Book Publishing. Ross was also the publisher for the online literary and features journal, including the Moronic Ox Literary and Cultural Journal. Ross is the author of many novels and some short story collections. In each of his works, David A. Ross explores the conflicts and feelings of those whose lives are balanced upon the fulcrum of change and somehow find the courage to confront life's pivotal choices. A habitual traveler, he writes of diverse geographical settings, from Hawaii to France, from Greece to the Czech Republic. In addition to his career as a novelist, David A. Ross is an accomplished musician and photographer. Ross was last seen living on the Greek island of Corfu, where he gathered information for his 2008 book, Good Morning Corfu, Living Abroad Against All Odds. Much more than a journal of events and experiences, this book contains essays that consider many of life's more profound issues and concerns with insight, optimism, and humor. His very first novel, The Trouble with Paradise, which is our topic for today, was a finalist in the 1997 National Writers Association Novel Competition and was published by Escape Media in 1998. In 2013, Open Books published the same novel under the title Calico Penance. The cover of Calico Penance features a picture of Amelia Earhart on the cover. Calico pennants are a type of dragonfly, and according to the Amelia character in the novel, they are the best flyers in the world. And according to Guinness Book of World Records, dragonflies are the fastest flying insects, so it makes sense that they're among the best flyers, too. The Trouble with Paradise is a complex novel involving the mysterious disappearance of Amelia Earhart in 1937 during her second attempt to fly around the world in her Lockheed 10E Electra airplane, this time from west to east. 
The Lockheed 10E Electra airplane flown by Amelia was a custom-built metal airplane with the unique twin vertical rudders on the tail. Powered by two Pratt & Whitney nine-cylinder radial engines producing a total of 1,200 horsepower, the airplane would cruise at about 175 miles an hour and had a range of over 3,000 miles using 1,100 gallons of fuel stored in 10 separate auxiliary fuel tanks. Only 15 of the Model 10E airplane were manufactured by Lockheed. The first attempt by Amelia Earhart to fly around the world ended in Hawaii after a successful flight from Oakland, California in March 1937. While attempting to take off in Hawaii on the second leg of the flight, the plane spun out of control and the landing gear collapsed, causing damage to the fuselage, the main landing gear, and both propellers. No one was injured, but the plane had to be shipped back by boat to the West Coast for extensive repairs, which would take several months. So, the second attempt to be the first female pilot to circumnavigate the world was planned for June, this time traveling from west to east. Departing Oakland, California on May 20, 1937, Amelia flew to Burbank, California, accompanied by Fred Noonan, the navigator, and two passengers, George Palmer Putnam, Amelia's husband, and her mechanic, R.D. Bo McNeely, Jr. The next day, they flew to Tucson, Arizona, and then on to New Orleans. On May 23rd, they arrived safely in Miami and took time for needed maintenance and final preparations. This part of the trip was not officially publicized, probably due to the mishap in Hawaii, and Amelia wanted to test her plane to be sure everything was working properly. But once in Miami, Amelia Earhart publicly announced her second attempt to fly around the world along with navigator Fred Noonan. The two departed Miami on June 1, 1937. Flying southeast with stops along the way, they arrived on the eastern tip of South America in Brazil, just south of the equator, on June 6. On June 7th, the pair departed Brazil and headed northeast across the Atlantic for almost 2,000 miles towards Dakar, Senegal, on the western tip of Africa. Several years before, Amelia had successfully become the first female to fly solo across the Atlantic, and despite some mechanical problems and inclement weather, she arrived safely at her intended destination. This time, however, a navigation error caused her to miss her target in Senegal, but she landed safely about 100 miles north of Dakar, The following day, she flew back to Dakar for scheduled maintenance and a day of rest. The next 21 days, Amelia would fly more than 13,000 miles to arrive in Papua New Guinea and complete more than 75% of her around-the-world trip. Continuing east over the Pacific, she had only two more stops, but more than 6,800 miles to reach her goal of Oakland, California. After a few days layover to perform maintenance and make final preparations for the trip across the Pacific, Amelia and Fred departed on July 2nd, about 10 a.m. local time, and headed east toward Howard Island. Howard Island is a small, flat coral patch just north of the equator, about 2,500 miles east of New Guinea, and 1,700 miles southwest of Hawaii the U.S. government had made improvements on the unpaved runway in preparation for Amelia's arrival. 
They also stationed a U.S. Coast Guard cutter in the area to help with radio navigation. The estimated flight time to Howard Island was about 20 hours, and because Amelia would cross the international date line en route, she planned to arrive at Howard Island early the next morning. And this is where the novel, The Trouble with Paradise, starts. Chapter 1 begins with radio signals from Amelia desperately trying to contact the Coast Guard cutter to help establish her position. Headwinds are slowing their ground speed, and their fuel supply is running low. Clouds make it almost impossible for the navigator to determine their position. With the fuel supply exhausted, the plane descends toward the ocean. Remember, this is 1937. Chapter 2 begins with the main character, Julian, arriving in Hawaii in 1997. Recently divorced and forced out of his job with early retirement, Julian is offered a free place to stay for a few weeks in Maui by his friend, Kevin. On the wall of the Sunrise Cafe in Lahaina, Julian sees a photograph of a local man with a big smile. Underneath the photo is a handwritten message. Relax, it's only a planet. He soon learns that this local guy in the photo has a boat for sale. Having just arrived in Hawaii for the first time, he takes a moment on page 14 to thank his friend Kevin, who suggested that he spend some time in Maui. He says... You were right about this place, my friend. Here, a decrepit attitude doesn't stand a chance for survival. Later that day, Julian meets the local guy with the boat for sale and admits that he is looking for a little piece of paradise. The local guy replies, but paradise is surely a state of mind, don't you agree? Come on now, Julian wrangled. Who could contend with splendor like this? Of course, he was referring to the many and obvious blessings of a prolific tropical garden, as well as the mental and emotional comfort it so quickly and unanimously imparted. Before the end of chapter two, Julian is considering buying the boat. And at the end of chapter three, Julian buys the boat, and they shook hands to seal the agreement. Chapter four finds Amelia Earhart in Washington, D.C. to have lunch with President Roosevelt prior to her second attempt to fly around the world. The author presents the possible theory that the U.S. government built or made improvements to the runway on Howard Island so Amelia could land and refuel on her way to Hawaii in exchange for Amelia taking a slight detour to take photographs of some Japanese military operations on nearby islands. Such a detour is unlikely, and no evidence exists to support such a theory, but it could explain how Amelia became lost or exceeded her fuel reserves and why she nor her plane were ever found. Chapter 5 finds Julian back at the Sunrise Cafe in Lahaina sipping Kona coffee and waiting for his money to be transferred from the mainland bank to Hawaii so he can buy the boat. This is where the author mentions Polynesian paralysis. Let me read you a few sentences. He viewed the impulsive purchase as somewhat out of character, but perhaps he was becoming more inclined by the day to leave once rigid attitudes in his wake. Maybe it was this place. What's the term his friend had to use? Polynesian paralysis. That was it. Well, he was not paralyzed, that much was obvious. If anything, he was exercising self-direction for the first time in his life. Something had changed. 
something important. Maybe for the first time in his life, Julian is taking time to be still, relax, and enjoy life. He is experiencing Polynesian paralysis. From here, the story gets a little complicated, but the author does a great job at weaving a tale of the supernatural, romance, time travel, and adventure all in one. On his first solo trip in the boat, the motors fail and Julian is cast adrift in the Pacific. Several days later, he is washed ashore on an uncharted island. After several days, he finds another person on the island. Guess who? That's right, it's Amelia Earhart. Unfortunately, Fred Newton, the navigator, died in the crash. If you want the full story, you need to read the book. On page 53, Julian asks himself, Why do we lose touch with the wonders of nature? On page 83, after being stranded on the island, he sits still and looks at the horizon and thinks, We fear what we desire most, and courage ends up being the ability to confront that which we fear. If we spend our lives living too close to the flame, we burn out quickly. But if we never test our courage, the experience of living grows tedious and meaningless. For in the process of testing courage, new dimensions are revealed. Again and again, we see ourselves reflected in nature, from the social structures of the smallest insects to the power of the most awesome volcano. We are as patterned as veins in a leaf. We are thinking cells. We are waves of light. We are the memory of variations. Ultimately, we put our peculiar charge upon existence. At the end of the story, Julian sells his boat back to the harbor in Lahaina and gives the boat back to the local Hawaiian guy. Julian decides to return to California with a new way of looking at life. He takes a photo of himself and puts it on the wall at the Sunrise Cafe with a handwritten caption. Paradise. Just when we think it's within our grasp, the scene changes, integrity dissolves, and only fundamentals remain. Looks like Julian might be experiencing Polynesian paralysis for a long time. For more information about Polynesian paralysis, please visit our website at rxaloha.com. In the next episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we'll review a book, A Widow's Might, written by Carolyn Ellis Lipscomb and published in 1999. The setting for this story is Auburn, Alabama. So until then, please take a few moments each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Enjoy Polynesian Paralysis, the sensible approach to mindfulness. Mindfulness.